And then he says, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. So Jonah does it right now. And he goes to Nineveh. He goes to preach to Nineveh. Now, it takes him three days to preach to the whole city. And I can't imagine Jonah standing at the gates of Nineveh and thinking, it's going to take me three days to preach in this city. But it's way better than being three days in the belly of the fish. But there's many times. When we don't obey right away, in our experience, while we're not obeying, is worse than the actually process, following the process of obedience. Verse 4, notice what it says. So Jonah began to go into the city. Now, this phrase, began to go, it's one one term in Hebrew. It's just one word. Bow. B-O. Bow. Can you say bow? Now, bow is the expression that sailors use when their boat is tied down on the deck with a rope. And that rope prevents the boat to go in the water and to get loose in the ocean. To bow is to undo the knot. And to set the boat free. So when Jonah is standing at the door at the gate of Nineveh, he unties himself. He frees himself from whatever thing was holding him back from doing what God asked him to do. And now he's free to do exactly that. There is something that perhaps is holding you down. There is something today that you need to untie. There is something today that you need to make the decision to leave behind. So the question that I have for you this morning is, what is the thing that you have to let go? What is the thing that you have to let go? Because see, when we don't let go of the thing that is holding us back, even when we try to do God's will, it's impossible. Because we're always going to be carrying that that is holding us. I don't know, for some of us today, perhaps what is holding us down is our self-will. I do it when I want. I do it whenever I want. I do it however I want. And I do what I want. For others, maybe the thing that is holding us down is financial security. I don't want to do that because I like my money. I don't like to give because I like my money. And that is the thing that you're seeking that is holding you down and is keeping you in a place that instead of making you better, it's making you worse. For some of us, perhaps it's reputation. What are my friends going to say if I commit to do God's will? Am I going to lose my social circle? Is my life going to change? For others, perhaps, what we don't want to lose is control. I want to be certain of what I'm doing. 
I don't want to let somebody else decide my future. I, I don't want to trust God because I can't tell what he wants for me at the end. For others, perhaps, what we need to let go is pride. And you just don't want to admit that you don't know everything. Or maybe, perhaps, it's comfort. It's nice to come, to sit, and to go until next week. But that thing that is holding you down is preventing you from experiencing the blessing that God wants to give you. Notice verse 4. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now this is quite interesting, family, because Jonah is trying to preach a message to people who don't want to hear him. Jonah has to preach a message to people who are not nice. See, it is one thing to, to, to come to church, listen to a message, and you say, well, I, I kind of like it. No, I didn't like it today. The pastor didn't. But another to tell you that your lifestyle, you, 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 your life, your city, your place of living, your livelihood is going to change forever if, if you don't change your life. And for Jonah, as he goes preaching into Nineveh, he's fearing that they might kill him because they just don't want to listen to his message. I can't picture the moment when Jonah began to preach into the city. And the way I picture Nineveh is like a small town in a western movie. Jonah walks into town, the dusty roads. They see the prophet walking in the middle of the street. People go inside their houses. and You hear the slamming of the doors. And as he's walking by, he sees a huge saloon. And you can hear the whistling in the background. And Jonah begins to preach. And all you see is bad people walking around with big guns and with a bottle in their hands. This is a people, in my mind, that Jonah is preaching to. Forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. This phrase overthrown is very interesting because it has two meanings. One, overthrown, is that once it flips over, once it changes, it's going to be something beautiful. Have you ever baked a cake? Me neither, but I've seen many times. And what happens is that you put all the stuff, all the mix, the flour, the, the eggs, the vegan eggs, and, uh, and, and, uh, and the stuff that they put in the mix into a mold. My mom always used to make uh, uh, our birthday cake. And, and our tradition was that our cake was not even flat. It was like a huge donut. And my mom always made that. In every picture from every birthday of anyone in the family, there was my mom's cake. Because that cake was always made that way. But there was a thing about it. That 
if you leave it in the pan, all you see is a flat thing. But once you flip it over, you see the shape. You see the roundness. A beautiful golden crust. But it needs to be overturned. So the first definition of overturning that Jonah is preaching about is that if you don't change in 40 days, I mean, if you change in 40 days, God will make something beautiful. But he has another definition. And overturn means you've been to the beach and you have built this beautiful sandcastle. But one of those kids that is not paying attention is running down the beach and it steps on your castle. And all the sand is overturned. That's the other definition. If you guys don't repent, in 40 days, God will destroy you. So see, now the people of Nineveh are listening to Jonah preaching this message of double meaning, and they have to make a decision. By the way, this is the theological moment. Jonah is considered as a classical prophet. His prophecy is classical. There's two kinds of prophecy in the Bible, two kinds of prophecy in the Scripture. Apocalyptic prophecy and classical prophecy. And there's a difference between both of them. Apocalyptic prophecy, like in Revelation and Daniel, has only one one fulfillment. And it's usually expressed in symbols like the beasts and the churches and the candlesticks. But classical prophecy like Jonah's, it's a little different because it has multiple fulfillments. It has a fulfillment from the present. It has a fulfillment for the future. And the fulfillment is conditional. Conditional to a change. Conditional to behavior. Conditional to a choice. So not all prophecy has multiple fulfillments. And not all prophecy is apocalyptic with one meaning. So Jonah is giving this prophecy to the people. In 40 days, God is going to overturn the city. So guys, it's on you. Now, this is such a powerful message because in eight words, in eight words, how many of you would like to hear a sermon in eight words? In eight words, Jonah preaches one of the most effective messages that I've ever been preached. Now, 40 days, that's another idea. This offer is only for a limited time. Because at the end of 40 days, you won't have that opportunity anymore. At the end of the 40 days, life is going to be as you know it anymore. And let me tell you something, family. This story is about God's grace and his powerful, graceful nature. 
But even today, the grace of God is there for a limited time. Perhaps for us, it's not 40 days. Perhaps for us, it's 40 years. Perhaps for us, it's four years. Perhaps for us, it's 40 months. Perhaps for us, it's 40 hours. Because the thing is this, we don't know how long are we going to be on this earth. And the grace of God has a date of expiration. Just like it was for Nineveh. 40 days. When we talk about 40 days in the Bible, because this is not the only place in the Bible that 40 days appear. Appears in the life of Moses. Appears in the life of, of Noah. Appears in the life of Elijah. Appears in the life of Jesus. 40 days. And it's interesting because every time at the end of 40 days, the people who went through that experience were transformed. Something special happened in their lives. To the point that today we believe that if you start practicing a spiritual discipline for 40 days, it becomes part of your life forever. So what Jonah is trying to teach these people is that this message that God has given them is a transforming message. And if they choose right, their lives will not be the same anymore. Verse 5. This is how amazing this message in eight words was. And the people of Nineveh believed God. What? We spent thousands of dollars doing evangelism for two people to accept. He preached eight words and people believed. I think the difference is that his message was not only short. It was direct. And he was uncomfortable. Let me say that again. The message of Jonah was short, direct, and uncomfortable. Because see, this is the thing. My goal as your pastor is that when you live, when you, when you leave this church every Sabbath afternoon, when you, when you go out through the doors, you are uncomfortable enough to do something about what you learn. Because if you don't leave the church with that level of discomfort about your current situation, I failed. My job is not to tell you nice things. My job is to be direct with you. But my job is to be direct with you in a loving way. In a way that you can understand. In, in a way that you, can, that you can relate. But the moment that it, that is all that... It, what this turns into, a, a relating experience, we failed. Because God's word is designed to change lives. It's designed to make us uncomfortable. Because the moment when we get comfortable, we lose our perspective of the future. Because we enjoy too much the present. 
In Jonah, it's exactly what he did. Verse 5, and the people of Nineveh believed they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. When we hear, imagine the news, somebody posted, Nineveh repented. What? Nineveh repented? Let, let me tell you something of, of what that would be in our day. Hearing the news that Nineveh, this, this city of the Assyrians, has repented and turned to God. It would be as if we hear today that the rock, the actor of the rock, is an evangelist now. It would be the equivalent of listening, somebody saying, Madonna now is a gospel singer. It would be the equivalent of somebody saying, the Staples Center now is a community center. It would be the equivalent of somebody saying, all the hotels in the Vegas Strip now are churches. <laughs> or, or, or even more difficult, it would be the equivalent of somebody saying, all the Kardashians now have a Christian talk show. That would be so hard to believe. So hard that not even Jonah believed it. But we'll talk more about that next week. So they put on sackcloth. See, sackcloth was goat's hair knitted together. And that's what they put on as a sign of repentance. So now everybody takes all their Armani suits and they put on sackcloth. Because they not, accept, not only accepted to repent, but they were living repentance. They were saying, this is, this is the decision we're making. Verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh. Now you would think, okay, when the word of the people were repenting and the king heard it, the king could have said, okay, what are you guys doing? Because let me tell you something. In those days, when a nation went to conquer another nation, and one nation conquered the other, it was believed that the God of that victorious nation was greater than the God of the looser nation. Let me remind you that the, that the Assyrians had conquered the Israelites. So in that perspective, the gods of the Assyrians were mightier than the God of Jonah. So when the word that the people had been repenting and they were in sackcloth came to the king, this is what happened. He arose from his throne removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. What? The king of a pagan nation now is saying, you guys are right. We need to repent. We have to stop skinning people alive and bury them in the desert. We have to stop cutting their heads and making columns. We have to be nice people now. We just kill him. No. <laughs> Verse 7. And he issued a proclamation and published to Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. Notice that this decree from the king is not only for the people, but it's also for 
the animals. See, I, I grew up in the city. I was born in Mexico City, and then I came to live in L.A. I'm a city guy. But I've heard that when cows don't drink water or eat for half a day, you can hear they're crying. They're, they're mooing? What's the, what's the word? That. For 20 miles. Can you imagine all the animals not being fed? Verse 8. But let the man and beast be covered in sackcloth. So not only the people wearing sackcloth, but also the animals. And let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that it is in his hands. Now, the decree said everyone. It is amazing that the king himself wants all of his people to be saved. Let everyone, says, turn from his evil way and from the violence. If the story would end right here, we would say, wow, this was so amazing. Unfortunately, history tells us that this repentance for the Assyrians only lasted a short time. A few years. Because a new king came. And just like in Egypt, when the people of Israel, Israel experienced the bless, uh, of Egypt experienced the blessings of having Joseph, and we read that when Joseph died, a king came who did not know Joseph, and everything went down the drain. It kind of like that. Verse 9. This is what the king says. If we do these things, who knows? Who knows? Maybe God will turn and relent and, and, and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who knows? Who knows? The king says, maybe God is willing to give us a second chance. Maybe God is willing to give us a second chance. See, I, I've been a pastor for a little bit over 20 years, and, and the ministry has given me awesome experiences. Experiences, I've met people, I've been places, I've done things that I never thought I would ever do. But at the same time, I had some awful experiences. In fact, I've made some terrible mistakes. And the only reason why I'm here today is because God has given me a second chance and a third and a fourth and a fifth. Because honestly, it wasn't the sackcloth, it wasn't the, the fasting that changed the mind of God. It was a simple decision that was made. We don't want to be like this anymore. And what God is looking for it's for people who make that same choice and say, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't like it. I really don't want to do that, that you're asking me to do, but I don't want to be like this anymore. And as a pastor, when I see that you have a limited spiritual experience, 
it hurts me. When I see some of your social media posts, make me cringe. When I see lack of interest in the word of God, when I see just no urgency, I'm getting ready to meet Jesus. It's very difficult to see that we're not willing to experience a second chance. Because the, the fact of the matter is this. Either is Jesus for real or this is just all a big joke. Because either Jesus is the Lord of my life or he's the Lord of nothing. There's no midway. There's not, there's not, there's not a, a, a social ex Christian experience. Unfortunately, it's all or nothing. And that was the same thing that happened. That, that is exactly the same thing that Jonah was preaching to Nineveh. In 40 days, and the city is going to be overturned. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. But the problem is that we've been looking so hard at the great fish that we forget about the great God. And we forget that in the experience of Jonah, it wasn't about the fish. It was always about God. See, in verse 1, we see God's grace Jonah, but now in verse 10, we saw God's grace with Nineveh. Notice what verse 10 says. When God saw that they, what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster. When God saw their hearts, when God experienced, when, their, when God saw their experience, he realized these guys don't want to be like that anymore. They don't know what is gonna what's going to happen tomorrow, but they don't want to be like that today anymore. From today, their life is going to be different. So see, God is not looking for you to change your life completely from one day to the next. God just wants you to change your life one day at a time. Oftentimes, our, our challenge, our difficulty is that we compare somebody else's ending with our beginnings. Oh, I can never be like them. I can never be like him. I can never be like her. But you don't know that they've been struggling for a long time to get there, to get to that point. So don't get discouraged. What God wants to do with you is for today. And today, when you choose to be different, when you choose to change your life, God will honor that. And then you'll be taking the right step on the right direction. God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And the reason why God did that is because he has the power to redeem. He has the power of grace. He has the power to see in the darkest place, in the darkest city, a light. You might think, oh, you know, I've done so many bad things that I don't think God will forgive me. I've done so many things to people. I've said so many things. I've made so many mistakes. 
Let me tell you. The people who seemingly appear to be the farthest away from God are many times the closest. Because they know that they're on the wrong path. And all it takes is one choice. Be concerned when you think you're close to God, but you're not totally, totally committed. Because you might think that you're doing everything right, but it's not about what you're doing. It's about letting the God that has the power to redeem work in your heart. 